Hey guys, welcome back. <laughs> every time I every time I hear welcome, I always hear um, the the thing that Ryum says at the beginning of his uh, quests, uh, the Chamber of Ryum. You will learn to call this place home, as I have. I always every time I just welcome travelers. I just always it's like on repeat. I don't know. Maybe I farm that one too much at level twelve. I I don't know. I have um. I made notes because the forms, there's so much in there, which is great to talk about, and I don't want to miss anything. And even as of this recording, there's still a lot in there that I'm going to be honest, I just can't cover. There's not a, there's not enough time for me to cover it, to be quite frank. I just want a, a couple of forms that, uh, threads that caught my eye. One was about teleporters and explorer zones. And the essential question was, how much does that affect the frequency with which the quests are run? The discussion was kind of back and forth, mostly for having these teleporters in the quest so that you could just kind of zone right to the quest and enter the quest and complete it. I think that it's a great idea. These explorer zones are great, and nobody wants to skip them when they want to do them, but they've be, they've grown to become a thing in their own right. They're, it's like their own thing. Like you're going to set out to do explorer zone a or b or c and you're going to do them like at this level with this you know with these friends or you're going to make it a point to do those zones at least i do every once in a while it's good to break things up and it's pretty pretty good xp i think they've done a good job trying to balance uh, your time and what you're actually doing inside the zone as you're kind of just meandering for the most part well Correct me. I correct that. Some don't. Sometimes we go just like spawn, spawn, spawn. But for the most part, I picture the explorer zone being kind of a wandering type XP thing, whereas the quest is extremely focused and there's no reward until the end, like until you get completion. Where, as with the explorer zone, you kind of walk around and you, you walk into something, you kill it, you go to the next thing, and there's a name, then you get the chest, and then somebody else joins, and you guys are both killing, and then you get XP. And there's no definitive end. It's just however much time you want to put in. So I think Explorer Zones are great, and I think it was really well said on the forums. It was described really well, and it doesn't mean we don't like Explorer Zones or that people are not interested in running them. It's just when you are on that TR train and you are trying to really grind out those levels, which I think is another topic for another time, how much we're grinding for these uh, past lives and how much there is a need for them or feels like there's a need, I would say, that you're not complete without them. So I would say that that does affect which quests get run. I know the particular uh, thread was about the Isle of Dread, and I know for a fact I've run that on my high level. I don't mind doing even the Explorer Zone because I, I need all the ingredients, which is another episode. But at the same time, I would say that I don't. I don't. I guess I don't mind running around when I'm capped out and just trying to like run to the quest. That I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care if I'm ten minutes late or five minutes later. I I tap the chest or I do most of the quest and everybody shows up. That doesn't affect me. I just I got the group up and I'm doing it at end game. But on a low level too, and especially when you're sometimes when you're messing around a little bit with your build, right? And you're like, oh geez, this isn't going to work so good. And it's hard for you to start soloing stuff, especially on R1, especially I feel like Isle of Dread is tuned more 
when you get into Reaper mode and Elite, it just seems like it's tuned more for the new DDO and the, the new DDO, I guess is what I would say. So it's not tuned like other level 7 quests, like the Lyra's or something along those lines, or the end of Tangle Root. So, but yes, I would agree. I think, uh, I think the Explorer Zones are great. I'd like to see uh, more story in there. I don't know how the hell they do that, but I would vote for that, and I, I love them. But I also love the quests too, and I also like my time. And uh, if they're going to um, continue to, at least for the next couple of years, keep the game going this way with the TRs and the past lives. I think it's fair. It's fair. And it's fair to new players too, right? I like to talk about new players too, that it's fair to them that they can come and join us and somebody doesn't have to run all the way back to go get them. I remember there were times uh, when Manectarun was the end, uh, was the end uh, zone there and you, you'd have to run people. How do you get to this quest? And it was, you know, holy crap so far and they get lost or fall off and you're geez <laughs> gotta turn around and don't get me started on the underdog i love the place it's a great place to waste your time in like i love that zone i always get lost in it and in a good way and in a bad way sometimes I'm, I'm just trying to learn the map and i find it difficult because of the way it's set up i just i just do i don't find it easy for, to read the map and i don't find it um, easy to to memorize the to memorize the landmarks because I don't feel like they're already. <laughs> now maybe that's in the intent, but at the same time I I that's one of those zones where I, I love it and I hate it, you know. It's just too bad. There's a that's a great zone. I, I'm not trying to be negative, but I do think that being able to teleport to those quests, you'd see newer players giving it a shot a lot more. Hey, I want to try this and then they would get good, they'd learn it, and they'd, they'd keep putting groups up. And then the next life they would, and they'd make more friends. I think that's that's kind of how we meet. You know, not all the time do we want to be running uh, Slayers. You know, certainly not. I think it's a specific mood you kind of have to be in. There was another thread where a player was, um, again, kind of misgiving about the archetypes. And... Um, but on a different note, not that they were being cannibalized. The last episode, I touched on that briefly, but that there was no player input. And he specifically pointed out the thread about the Hexblade and how he would be interested in, pardon me, how he would be interested in playing some type of anti-paladin, which was a great point. The Hexblade is uh, the effect of the Hexblade or the theme of the Hexblade is very much that of of like an anti-paladin, of like a black guard. It's not the traditional, I take an oath of evil, <laughs> but it is it, it is, it is an evil kind of class. It is a, a class that resonates with that, with that type of fantasy, that darker type of fantasy. And it's definitely been asked for before and mentioned before, and it's been difficult, I think, for anybody to really, the devs really, to probably broach the subject or talk about it. But I think, Hexblade's a great alternative to something like that. Throwing it into Fighter is very interesting. And now you have the, this Fighter-Paladin kind of uh, competition and at opposite sides of the, of, the, um, of the alignment spectrum. And isn't that kind of neat? Now, obviously, we can't represent that 
in game unless they force you to down that road. But it's just a, an interesting insight. And I thought that it was worth mentioning. It brings up um, kind of another thread where people were uh, concerned about, uh, you know, the cannibalism of other classes. And I, I think that's nothing to worry about. There was another comment on that thread or another thread. I think it was the same thread regarding the Hexblade and then it talked about the Duskblade. And that's something that I didn't cover in the last podcast because, partly because I love the Duskblade. Love him to death. And it felt super self-serving for me to be like, hey, I see your Hexblade. I raise him a Duskblade. I know the Duskblade is, is a little bit more powerful, at least on pen and paper. And it just is. And uh, I think we did our last talk with the Hexblade. We did it justice, giving it, you know, uh, an AOE curse, giving it uh, an AOE Phantasmal Killer with like upped damage dice if they save their, if they save against the illusion. So I think that's, uh, that was a good like DDO kind of translation of the class anyways. So the Dustblade is, um, the Dustblade is definitely more of a good guy and it's, as far as the fantasy goes, it's like an elite Gish warrior. And I guess a precursor to maybe like the Magus stuff, if you're familiar with Pathfinder, the Magus, Magus, however you want to say that word, that that class. It's uh, – I'll, I'll go over it real, real briefly. But I remember when I got the Dustblade book, and I don't remember which book it was in, but I got the expanded psionics and the psionics book at the same time. And for whatever reason, I remember reading the Duskblade and thinking it was in one of the psionic books. And that was just when I first got it. But I remember it. There are just so many new abilities that were kind of added. And it wasn't like, hey, this is like you need to like with Arcane Trickster, you just take you just take some rogue and you just take some some casting class, right? And then you can become the Arcane Trickster, Trickster the Duskblade. The Duskblade was like the Eldritch Knight, but it's not the Eldritch Knight. It's this base class that you can be that is, is, is totally different, or not totally different, but it's the best of both worlds all the way up to level 10. So a couple of things that the Duskblade, I'll just say a couple of things about it. It does have these quick cast or like quicken charges that it gets so that it can play some of its spells can be cast as a swift action or like like with quicken um, the spells can all be cast uh, without memorizing them per day so like a sorcerer or a bard at level four it gets medium armor proficiency with no arcane spell failure level seven it's allowed to use a heavy shield with no arcane spell failure it, the, the it starts with light armor and then the buckler light shield so you start there and then level four level seven it um it upgrades at level three this is the, the the thread mentioned this the arcane channeling at level three any touch spell delivered through can be delivered through an attack action which is really 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 cool that's a really cool effect in fact i think in skyrim there was uh i think if you got uh, what's that guy's in a seance i'm not sure how you say that but his his uh uh, perks overhaul the ordinator or overhaul I, they have i think it has the spellblade thing i think it's called spellblade and it's basically that you can cast lightning bolt 
with your whatever spell you charge up with your weapon. And um, that is a little uh, a little much, but man, is that fun to play. I'll tell you what, though. People don't just always play that class, regardless of how overpowered it may seem. I think the fantasy eventually runs stale, and you want to play something else. And it's not just that the fantasy runs stale. I think just the, the, the gameplay of it is fairly simple, and at some point you just want to try something else. I will say there's a, a couple of other cool things they get, the Dusk Blades. At level 6, they get this free, like, op, op, opposition sh Shatter Mantle effect. So it's completely opposite than Shatter Mantle. Every time you strike an opponent, you gain plus 2 to your spell. Your, your checks to overcome spell penetration, plus 2. They need that help like the Hexblade, because like the Hexblade, they also only have that half caster level. So they, they need that bump to be able to land some of their spells. They have some really cool spells that don't require and some that kind of blend the spell resistance in but don't take away from the damage. And I'll go over a couple of their more interesting spells. So the Dust Blade gets a level one. They get a trip spell. It's a Big B Hands trip spell. But I see that in DDO as like a, maybe a modifier to your trip for a certain amount of time. They also have another one that's called the Blade of Blood. It's 1d6 damage per swing. That's something we've seen. Level 2, they have Stretch Weapon, which is pretty cool. Stretch your weapon 5 feet. That would be kind of interesting to see in DDO. And then the other one they have, which is pretty neat, is also called Animalistic Power, which is plus 2 strength, dex, and con. And keep in mind, this spell, like, if you're playing on pen and paper, some of these, these effects are pretty pretty good to have level three is doom scarabs and, and this is when i was thinking about in particular it does 1d6 uh, per caster level no no sr so you send these scarabs out or these bee beehive like things out and they do 1d6 per caster level that's cool doesn't not affected by sr however if you pass sr you beat their spell resistance the caster gets plus 1d4 temporary hit points per the 1d6 roll so it could be extremely beneficial if you build into it. They get vampiric, vampiric touch as a as a spell, which is important to note because they can cast it through their their attacks. Crown of Might, which is this is a level three spell. It's you you cast it and then activate it for plus eight to strength, which is pretty good. And then one that I one spell that is in every spell list that's in third edition three point five that we just don't have in DDO is Keen Edge, which essentially gives you the improved crit feat for the weapon that you're holding. I don't understand why we don't have that. I, some of these rules and some of these spells, I think they sh it's good for us to talk about them so they become aware of it because I don't think a lot, I'm not sure how deep into 3.5, you know, everybody still is with 5 being so popular, but these are, some of these things helped to balance out the rest of the game without without adding other rules. Level four, they get this channeled pyro burst, which seems really cool. Think uh, rune arm, but it's a fireball, right? And it does 10d4 if you just cast it quick, up to 10d10 fire damage. And it you know, acts like a fireball with a reflex save. They have this uh, Big B's interposing hand, which is essentially a plus four AC wall around the caster which can be destroyed but it's essentially plus four ac 
they get shout, dispel, and PK, and those are their level four spells. It's pr pretty much it's not too too different than the hexblade, except you don't have the curse and some other of those, those flavor things that they have. With the, like that smite evil that's not smite evil that the hexblade has. But the Duskblade gets full bat base attack bonus. The reflex and the and the fort save and the will save are pretty nuts. They at level ten they're plus eleven, so they're they're pretty high. I think um, the Duskblade is extremely open-ended and a, a pretty fun fun class to play. I, I don't think we'll see that one just because I don't even know where you. It's a full bab. It's a full it's a full bab class, so you could put it with fighter. You could put hexblade with fighter. They would be pretty similar, but I just don't see how you would. You'd have to add the spells to the class, the fighter class archetype, and then take away the bonus feats. So you, with some tweaking, you could probably pretty easily add that in. So you could make hexblade, which would be like your dark paladin, curse spreading. AOE PK guy, and then you could have the, like a Duskblade, which is more. They get some really Duskblade gets some movement spells like Dimensional Hop and Blink. They can kind of dart around the, the battlefield magically. So that's not represented in the spell list or what, what I talked about the Duskblade, but that is one of the cool things they have. So that's uh, that's something that you could look at as far as like what differentiates the two classes because they're both kind of Gish classes and there's nothing. Um, I think with a fighter, at some point you want like a weapon master type, weapon master type uh, archetype class. Although I, I think that would probably not go over well, <laughs> to be quite honest. I did. I was looking through. Um, I was looking through one of the one of the forum threads just because I, I thought it would to see if anybody mentioned the dusk blade or I just went back in the inside the. The suggestions right now. I was looking for something that might um, might be reminiscent of of the Dusk Blade. There was one. Somebody had posted a Blade Singer Universal Tree, but Blade Singer is not is really. I don't know. I see that as more of a definitely more of a, I guess a wizard elf class. I mean, I know it's not. So in three point five, it was, but like I know it's it's not. You know, now it's not, and they've kind of even in three point five, they kind of wanted to get away from that and make blade singing more of a of a universal thing for all races because it was a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool thing. Um, so I went through that blade singer universal tree, and I thought it wasn't that good, <laughs> but then I saw something interesting about it. Um, so Blade Song is a stance that you would take in this uh, proposed idea. And while Blade Song is active, your two hit and damage comes from your decks, and you add your intelligence modifier to your armor classes where as long as you're wearing light or no armor and wearing and wielding nothing in your offhand. I think changing that, nothing in your offhand is probably a good idea. And I think keeping uh that that I think that would be cool, but this is what there's a yeah so this the next one so the core two of it is what i really thought was interesting improved blade song while blade song is active your attacks now add your intelligent bonus to your melee attacks up to half your character level 
So I'm assuming this is in addition to whatever your DEX modifier is giving you. So that is an interesting thought pattern just because you're getting a weapon damage from two different sources. I think now that seems kind of overpowered, but if you're taking a, uh, a combat style fight, uh, a feet fight line, it's only going to have one stat that it's going to affect. It should, definitely shouldn't be affecting two stats. That would be way overpowered. But it's interesting that if you had some type of uh, Gish class, the interesting thought to me is like, oh, well, what if you what if you were able to do that? Like, oh, well, it's it's an intelligence based DC. We're going to require them to kind of have dexterity or maybe have dexterity and strength and constitution. We're going to require them to. This class just requires that, so why don't we, you know, why don't we give them another benefit of the intelligence score, and kind of make up for it? Because you're not gonna, I don't think, you'd really break anything except for the really elite players that are busting triple digits on their, on some of their main scores and, and nearing eighty and ninety on their other ones. Yeah, they, but anything's gonna break it for them, so we're not balancing it around that the game around that. I don't, I don't think, so. Just let me collect my thoughts here for one second. I also saw on the forums, I saw there was a drunken master post. I happened to, of course, I had to click on that and uh, was really surprised someone had taken, had the idea to take the alchemist, kind of strip some of their stuff and put it with the monk attacks so that it's the same thing, right? Like they're doing elemental attacks, but it's also not because... They're pie, like that pyrite, like I don't know all the names, but they're they're mixtures, right? They're different. They're not really like just elemental. They're they're something there's something else. And I, I thought it would be a really interesting idea to marry that and just kind of swap around some stuff to like reference breweries and how um you know you can wobble and still fight sometimes, like Jackie Chan. So I thought there there was a really good idea. With that, it's, it's not fleshed out all the way. There's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. Just what was done was kind of a lot of brain thought uh, to put it all together and to make sure you scribble it down and, and have it there intelligently is enough. That, I find that class mechanic, the Alchemist one, pretty... I ignore it when I play the Alchemist. I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe I'm just too old and I, I think, well, this isn't in the rule book. I don't care. So I... That maybe that's wrong of me, but I, I just think of it that way. So, But I thought that was a great idea. There's another uh, thread that talked about the archetypes, and they were talking about the Dark Hunter. And boy, this thread was all over the place. People were praising it. People were saying it's bad. People were saying it's, you know, people were comparing, hey, I have a rogue that's a Tempest that He's a you know some rogue mostly ranger and now this guy's way better than it and like what's going on, you know like are we, which is which is I think a natural progression are the archetypes upgrading the base classes, you know because you're adding you're adding the rogue ability to, the ranger class without the shadow without a shadow of a doubt that's what's happening, so. It was an interesting thought. I, I still I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I think it's. It's a fun progression, and it would save somebody to get a capstone. The 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 team that the standing stone seems 
really focused on tr trying to get people to stay main class. Uh, it just seems that way to me. I could be wrong. I know they like that we multi-class, but I'm not sure they like that we multi-class, <laughs> meaning nobody likes when the game breaks. So that, and that happens when, when we do things they don't expect, like multi-class. So I think they like us to stay in that line. But I, I also think that it's uh, it's it's a good that archetype is a good it's a good thought. I think it's a good uh, it's a good representation of what a dark hunter is. Sure. So just moving on, there was some talk about the arcane trickster, which I love that class. I've been. I love that class for a long time. The issue with the Arcane Trickster, though, from someone who has attempted it once, is it really doesn't add anything to your game. The ranged Ledger Domain is neat, but Telekinesis is neat, too. I uh, think you could get the ranged Ledger Domain in the game. I think if you gave the Arcane Trickster a familiar that was like a pet, that functioned like a pet, I think you could probably get it to disarm the traps like ranged ledger domain and then but not be noticed by the enemy so that as long as you were like in stealth and not noticed by the enemy, this thing could go out and disable the traps for you. Provided you, you'd have to I guess it would have to be under the understanding that that's how that thing operates, right? Because it's not gonna check with you, you know, every enter a dialogue box open up in the middle of your screen every time, hey, do you want it to disarm the traps or are you gonna use that to kill the enemy? So that's the only kind of rub I see with it. But at the same time, if you're trapping and running ahead of the group to try to untrap, that would be another way in a different way other than the Dark Hunter and still maintain. So I would definitely give the backtrack so my thoughts are clear. I would definitely give the Arcane Trickster the same ability to spot and search traps without doing anything. And then the ability to disarm the traps without doing anything. So they just run near them, get near them, and they can automatically disable the traps. So because that's kind of what their shtick is, really. And if you think of DDO, unfortunately, with the sneak attack bonuses, yeah, when the cap was level 10 or level 12, it had been sick to have an extra 3D6 sneak attack on your Scorching Ray or something. That probably was overkill, but it would still be cool. Nowadays, that's the game has just gotten so big, and it's, it's a lot different than its roots. So I think you would have to figure out a way to change that uh, power they have to uh, call basically sneak attack shots with their magic and melee attacks. They essentially can do that at will. A certain amount of times a day, they can say, you know, the scorching ray has all my sneak attack, and boom, that happens. And that can be good, but what's another, you know, 5d6, 15 damage to your sneak attack when you've got it, you know, maxed and powered and you're, you're running 100, you know, 100 firepower? Like, what's, but I don't, what's the big deal? Because you can't really, well, I guess it does increase off range, right? Your sneak attack. So the only, my thought process was the only way I can see for that to happen and be kind of cool would be. I, the only thing in my head right now is some kind of buff that would that's short in duration and like an action boost, but not an action boost, but like one that basically allows all your spells 
to count at all the damage your spells do all counts all as sneak attack and then everything is a sneak attack so your big fireball while everybody's chasing you becomes a sneak attack while this uh while this buff is active right so that's the only thing that ran across my mind is how can you make this like ddoify this right and i think that that might be a good way to do it i don't know if there are other ideas i'm going to be reading the forms for them because i love the class i think it's a lot of that's one of those classes where it's a good role play class because essentially like everybody can do everything better than you, you know, and you, you could argue like the same with the dark hunter, like that quick stick rogue is what's better for melee. You know, what, what, what does more damage? I mean, can anybody tell me like nobody really knows, right? Cause the dark hunter hasn't been released yet. And I'm not saying whether it's similar or not, but like that main, that rogue class hasn't really lost its identity when you think about all that sneak attack damage multiplied by that quick stick build or any of those builds out there that require that rogue stick tree is just insane as far as deep DPS goes. Especially you marry that with like the tabaxi trip effect or whatever, and then everybody gets helpless. It's retarded. Like that's retarded. And then you just AOE the crap out of them. Like you might as well be like a living fireball. <laughs> so I, 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 as far as people saying that, that's just another point to go. I don't think that the rogue class or any of the other classes are going anywhere. It's just a different, like Cordovan said, he's called it like a different flavor of rogue. And I, that's a good way to put it. It is. That's a, it's what it is. Oh, it's it's a lot sturdier. You know, it's a lot more, a lot sturdier. It'd be nice if you could be Yuan T and have the death attack, <laughs> and then have all that dark hunter goodness. That that would be sweet, and all that fast movement speed and everything. Yeah, that'd be. That's from episode one, I think. We talked about the Yuan T. Anyways, um, moving on. Let's see what else we had on the forums. Oh, there was some uh, violence over the acolyte of the skin. People are, uh, there was people, some people were defending it. Some people were knocking it down. Acolyte of the skin. I, myself, I think this is an interesting, I didn't, I saw Strim Tom's video and he mentioned uh, that essentially you're kind of like this medium range attacker and you build up these, I don't know, demon stacks. And then you become a like demon form. You grow into this demon form for God knows how long you just melee the crap out of everything. And I think that's cool. I think that's wicked cool. <laughs> I don't see why that's um, that's being looked down on at all. I, I do think that if you don't like it, that that's okay. And I think it's way okay, certainly okay, for you to say that. I'm sorry that you're disappointed. I do think another way to put it, other than just to kind of, we don't want to tear down what, you know, somebody else may have really liked to do or, or made or thought of doing, especially for us, like we were trying to change that dynamic that we don't have no input at all. But, you know, right now we have no input on what these archetypes are, are, are. And, you know, that was somebody's idea and somebody's baby. And to you want to win that person over. One of the ways to win them over is sure, tell them what your thoughts are, but then tell them maybe, you know, you were surprised to see the acolyte of the skin and you were hoping for something like this. You know, that's a that's not the only way to put it, but that's a way. That's a way to put it. And it's better than I you know, stamping your feet up and down on the forums, because that stinks. That's all that's not gonna get anybody anywhere. It's not gonna get any of us anywhere. And 
and your next idea, the idea you wished you, you wished came to be instead of that one, that's the answer. So that's what you should really put forward. And it's okay to say that in one thread and start a new thread and say, hey, what do you guys think of this? I wonder what this would look like in DDL. This is my favorite type of warlock. And we'll talk about it. I mean, we like DDL. We like Dungeons and Dragons. We will talk about that with you. That's what we like to do. We like to play that game and we can't always be logged in, right? So let's talk about it. But don't I get that you're, you know, you're bummed because I'm bummed too when they don't, you know, put things out that, oh man, I really wish this and I wish that. But that's why I was like, you know what? I'll just talk to this microphone here. And we'll see maybe if maybe if anybody else feels the same way, and that's good that people do, or good that people don't. But the but the thing is that we're not letting that opportunity to speak pass us by. You know, we are we're voicing our opinions intelligently and articulately enough that we're understood. So I think there was some there was some definitely heated debate about that. And I don't know anything. I'm not even a huge warlock player. I did my my life for the warlock and to get, to get my completionist feet. And that's when I raised my hand as I say, I did my warlock life. Like I didn't do, I didn't feel like I wanted, Oh, this is the one I'm going to do a hundred lives with. Cause it's impenetrable. I didn't feel that way. Of course I came in after they made a lot of changes. I know it was kind of top dog for a long time. And uh, it's interesting that that was the case, but that it went so long kind of being, the top dog, but you know, I, I still think that uh, it's still a good class if you enjoy that kind of thing. And I definitely think, like, the acolyte of the skin coming from someone who doesn't really like Warlock, I don't really like it. Doing something like that, like having a transformation effect, might, might, might get me into it. And that is really all they can ask for, I think. Standing Stone Games, because they're not asking for our direct input and we don't have any direct input into what they're making. So they're kind of left with like, well, we hope this works. You know, we're just getting a select group of people. And I don't even think that's really, you know, I don't know how well that really works all the time. You four people together. So there was a couple other things I wanted to talk about. Races. People have been posting races, the Cobalt race, the Dampier race. And these are these threads are well thought out. A lot of work went into them. And I, I wasn't sure if I was going to have enough time to just give them the credit they deserve. Because I know how long that takes to sit down and you're writing this stuff up, typing it up. And wherever you are when you're doing it, it's, regardless of what you might think, that stuff is work, guys. That's a lot of work. And I appreciate that. And I love reading it. And I love that people are interested and want to talk about what they want to see in DDL, especially guys that maybe have a handbook or two and maybe know a thing or two. Not you, Thacko, guys. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, yeah, definitely all you 3.5 brothers out there who are. Let's, let's talk about what we want to have in. I know for a long time they said Psionics was off the table. But I, I'll be honest with you, with the addition of the Tabaxi, I think the Kalashtar is around the corner. And I remember when the level cap was 10, I begged. I wanted Shifter. I wanted... Um, Kalashtar was a big, and I was so upset. The next race they had, what was the next race they added? God, I forget, but I remember like being so, I was like that guy that I just said not to be like. I was so upset because I'm like, how can you not have Shifter in an Eberron campaign? Like, 
because right at that point it was only Ebron. I'm like, you guys are adding races that don't even, they're not even like the main, ra- they're not even a main race of the campaign setting. So that, that really uh, rubbed me the wrong way. So I know what it's like to feel like, hey man, I Warlock's my favorite class, and I want, you know, this, and they didn't do, they didn't do it. Well, great. Did you put it on the forums? Did we talk about it? Did anybody say anything about it? And that's what. I made the podcast for so we can talk about it and I'll read the forums. I love reading the forums and I love that they're active. I love DDO and it's really sad when I came back a few months ago, it was really sad for me to see the forums not being active, people not talking. People weren't even upset. They weren't saying anything. So I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, these archetypes, I think it owes a lot to these archetypes are really engaging people. And I think they, people are like, okay, well, I have an idea for some of these things because really these uh these archetypes are just seems like kind of that's how they're coming up with them so i think it's a good idea that we uh keep talking about them and keep uh talking about the races we want to see and and um and pushing those ideas and then encouraging each other because some of these guys are putting in a lot of work to make these things even like that failed blade singer tree i mentioned earlier that I mean, I didn't read all of it, <laughs> but I was just turned off by the whole Dex to Damage thing. I really was. But I thought some of the corners were interesting. Definitely the the, the in, into AC and then uh, into damage, like on top of your decks, I thought was pretty neat. I just, um, I, I don't know how all that, all that would work as a universal tree. I see that as definitely like more of a, again, att- attached to a Gish type thing. So what can we say kind of in summation or wrapping this podcast up? I'm super excited to read all the new forum posts. I, I like that we're uh, we're discussing this. I, I just want to, I'd like to get to a point where we're discussing it in a way that when we're not happy with, with what the developers did, that we suggest, you know, right alongside that, we're like, hey, this is what we really wanted. Because that's, you know, this really... For Standing Stone Games, it's a relationship with us players. And um, while they hold the keys to the kingdom, they hold our DDO. They can make it however they want. They can make Accolade of the Skin if they want. They don't have to make Accolade of the Skin if they want. So they can do, they can pick and choose, right? They still need us to make it. You know, they still need us to play. They still need us to VIP. They still need us to buy DDO points. So that, uh, that relationship works two ways. And I think that we're, uh, we're good to the company and I think that this is something that uh you know talking about this stuff on the forums is something that we should really push so that uh they know what we want so they can make it maybe it's not exactly what we want but it's you know pretty close have you learned to call this place home as I have I spent a lot of time in the desert that was one of my uh, big expansions anyways guys uh thanks for listening um Have a great day. Have a great rest of the week. And uh, keep posting.